Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Mindful Athlete Podcast. Today, I have a very, very good friend and really cool guest, and she is... I'm Talia Diaz. Uh, I'm actually in California, so I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist here, um, and also a licensed professional clinical counselor. Yay! Yay! So you <laughs> you are officially licensed, and you've officially passed the test, and I have. it's now yeah, sitting it was... on your wall in all its glory. <laughs> I so for the MFT one, I got my license. The the professional clinical counselor one, I um more passed recently, so I'm still waiting for the like the certificate to come in the mail that I've been checking daily. Uh, you passed. So yeah, the we other one is passed. like framed, and I like showed it off to everybody. <laughs> look at this! Look at what I did. <laughs> Um, so if you don't know, actually, Talia and I were in the same clinical program. We went to Azusa Pacific together. That's where we met. We became really good friends. We studied together. We cried together. Um, we panicked together. We ate a lot of good food together. And then we drank a lot of good (laughs) drinks together. (laughs) We sure did. (laughs) Very accurate. All of those. Um, so, and it's really cool to have her on the show because this is like a different light. Normally we have like an athlete or someone who has been in like severely in athletics. And I think it's really cool to have someone who specializes in mental health on the show because normally we get the athlete perspective of like what it's like to be the athlete, but then we now get the perspective of like the therapist. And while people could talk to me, it's always really cool to talk to other therapists (laughs) because we think differently and we do different And if you don't know this, different therapists have different methods. So if you went to therapy and it didn't work out, there's always someone else who could do it differently. (laughs) Exactly. Yes, I agree. And yeah, you're right. I uh, am not an athlete at all by any means. Okay, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. (laughs) I'm going to say that she is an athlete because she comes with, she has been with me to the Adirondack Mountains and those mountains are are difficult to climb and they're steep and she went with me on trail and you definitely hiked with me and she is a fierce ping pong player. Right before we hit record, you were saying that and like I am terrified. The only place I'm really terrified of Talia is when we play, was when we play sports together. Like if it's like, it's like ping pong or cards or something, there's like no friendship on the table. It's flat out competition. So yeah, so And I know when I'm, I know when I'm gonna leave, you know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we've prepared um, five questions. Normally we do uh, ten, but today okay. these questions are a little bit more. And for our people who've listened in before, you know the ten classic questions. These are slightly different because Talia is a therapist. I wanted to ask her more therapy-oriented questions. So our first question of the day is: Why did you want to go into the therapy field? I love this question. Uh, I actually. Uh, so I was like, you know, 17, 16, 17, maybe. And everybody in high school is like, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And like, where are you going to college? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) I'm 17. I don't know my life. Um, and so I took an aptitude test or like, like, I think they're called career aptitude test. Yeah. Yeah. Those, um, (laughs) and at the top of my list was like teacher, a nurse and like pretty far down actually was uh like a therapist or psychologist and um at that point I was like I do not want to be a teacher like I love kids but that's teachers have an exhausting job 
Um, so I like kind of went through the list and I was like not super excited about any of it. But I had an elective course, my, I think my senior year of high school, and my school just like randomly was like, we can, we're offering psychology as an elective. And I was like, oh, yay. <laughs> so I signed up for it and like fell in love. I've always been super intrigued about like the fact that it's a soft science. So it, everything tends to be evidence-based. There's a lot of research into it. But he, the human mind is such an enigma that, like, there's going to be outliers all the time. And, and, like, this is a trend, but there's exceptions left and right. And that drew me in so much. So there's, like, what do you mean there's, like, these are facts and this is science, but, but it depends. <laughs> there's a whole other side to this. Yes. And for some people, that's super frustrating. For me, it was, like, ah, the outliers. <laughs> Like, you can't put somebody in a box, and I loved it. And, you know, as I kind of went into it a little more, um, I realized, like, oh, this is super helpful to to know as I was, like, kind of reflecting on my own past. I uh, kind of came to the reala- realization that I had pretty severe anxiety that nobody in my family, like, identified. Everybody was always like oh you know Talia she's just like she gets really worried sometimes or like we got to put it you know we got to prep her for things um which is accurate but I w- I thought that was just like oh I'm just you know a little different um <laughs> I remember in like third grade I had a really mean teacher and I do not do well with people that are mean to me because I am a people pleaser <laughs> so like little I do obviously do a lot better now but like little nine-year-old me like the teacher would call me out um, and I would break down and then I wouldn't want to go to school and then I'd get like severe stomach aches. Like I would throw up, I would have, like, I would not, not be able to sleep. Yeah. Um, and obviously then I, you know, everybody was just like, Oh, Talia, come like, it'll be fine. And then my parents tried a little both of like the positive encouragement, but also like, no, you got to go to school. Um, <laughs> they had, they had real strict boundaries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, <laughs> Uh, kind of reflecting on that, like, oh, no, I had pretty severe anxiety that nobody knew what to do with or even could identify as anxiety. Uh, my parents, uh, just that's that's not something that they n- knew anything about, really, was mental health. Um, and clearly the school didn't have any resources. <laughs> uh, like at some point, like, instead of – I they didn't have a, a, like, psychologist or therapist or counselor on, on school grounds – um, so they ended up like calling the cops one time cause I didn't want to go to class and like, yeah, oh, I didn't <laughs> and, like, know, you know me, I'm not like, I wasn't like angry or like trying to throw, I wasn't fighting anybody. I was just sitting there like crying and they were they like, you need to go to class. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it was like a nice cop, obviously. And right. then I saw the cop and I was like, okay, I'll go to class. But like, <laughs> but also that's just... where I'm like, this could have been dealt with so much easier for a nine year old. Like just have somebody nice to them validate their feelings. And then like and maybe take a like, lap around the school and yeah, then we go back. <laughs> get me some coping skills and then like walk me into class and I would have been fine. Um, but that I was like, Oh, we need, we need more resources for kiddos. (laughs) Um, thankfully I made it out well enough to be a functional human being. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it was definitely like, Oh, this, this is something we, (laughs) we need to teach people starting really early on because clearly it is some mental health starts earlier than others. Obviously there's, um, 
extenuating factors. There could be some trauma. But all this to say is like, wow, we need this. <laughs> at least if we have, I feel like at least if there was education of psychology at a very young age, that would be so vital. Like you don't even need, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think everybody should have like some form of counselor or therapist that's licensed and trained in school systems. I think that's really important. But I also, if you can't afford that, at least have someone who can teach on it. You yes. know? And like, so uh, thankfully, a lot of schools, at least here, have made a lot of progress. You know, a lot of schools have on-site counselors. Uh, they have at least, you know, some schools have at least some, what they call a resource teacher who has kind of a background in psychology, maybe. Um, and then they, they have those resources now that obviously I didn't have, but I'm so glad that we're, we're going in that direction. (laughs) Thank God for mental health being a normal thing. And I think that's one of the things I'm trying to do with this podcast, which is break the stigma around mental health, which is Mm -hmm. like, and this is my opinion, which is, I feel like 99% of mental health like goes unnoticed, meaning like no one pays attention to the little kid who's just nervous in the hallway because that is mental health. It's the same thing as like saying like a sniffly nose is a medical issue. Like, yeah. you know, kind of like that comparison, like mental health has a very wide range, like medical issues have a very wide range. So yeah, I agree. And I love that you mentioned like, uh, like the little kid who is nervous in class because all the time we get, um, so I work with kids and oftentimes uh, when the school year starts, we get the referrals for like, they're misbehaving, interrupting class, fighting with others. And that's a large part of it. But then we get like, we have to wait till like December, January, February to like realize like, oh, there's this kid who's been following all the rules, but hasn't made friends or like mm-hmm. isn't socializing well, or like just kind of gets overwhelmed with tests that like kind of fly under the radar. And because you're not causing problems, Teachers are like, oh, they're such a, they're such a good student. They're a pleasure to have in class. Mm-hmm. Never break the rules, and like those are great things. But then you're like, okay, but like, are they just shitting themselves? Or sorry, my bad. <laughs> okay. I can edit it. Are, don't worry. are they like? Is it because they're just so overwhelmed? Is it because they're super anxious and they don't want to break rules? Are they just, you know? Yeah, like what, what is it? Maybe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's because they do. There's these kids who fly. And I remember when I was working in, we were in our program and we had to do to finish our program. We had to finish um, for all those who are listening. We had to finish a certain amount of hours. And so I chose a two middle schools and a lower school. And in the beginning of the school year, it's true. You get a lot of the kids who like, you know, the squeaky wheel, like it's the kids who are (laughs) allowed. The kids are making a lot, need a lot of attention and stuff like that. And then you get into December when those kids have kind of run out of energy by the end of the semester. And then all of a sudden these kids who fly under the radar and those, the kids who grew up with like severe internal anxiety or high functioning anxiety, which is like they can cope in front of others. But when they go home, it's just like all the floodgates open and they're just, they can't really put a handle on how to fix things. Exactly. Yeah. And maybe that's not the best <laughs> one, but like, you know, cause I, I have a strong concept with therapy, which is like, I'm not trying to fix you. We're just trying to find solutions to the issues you're facing. Yes. There is no fixing. I don't have to fix you. We're just finding better ways to do things. Yes. And Ira, I think therapy is not about fixing. Uh, it's about bettering yourself and, and developing those inner strengths, those coping skills, um, all of, like this self-care even of like, 
we're not obviously we're not going to fix the world around you your environment is out of our control but we can work on how do I deal with it what do I do to stay on top of it all right things are getting difficult what 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 can I do and what am I doing right Uh, those are the steps of identifying what can I do and then like all right it's (laughs) now I gotta do it actually do (laughs) so that takes us into question two perfectly so what is a tip or a trick or something you learned and you you kind of mentioned a little bit with the anxiety before but what is something that you do that you've learned that has actually really helped you for me personally uh again I, I touched a little bit like my my bigger struggle is kind of more anxiety symptoms um thankfully I've develop uh, some habits and coping skills that I, I can uh, kind of maneuver around it and identify it when it's creeping up. But my big one is like, I'll start worrying about things. Mm. And sometimes it's valid worry. Sometimes it's just overthought worry. Um, and so I've, I've gotten into the habit of like, when I'm feeling like I'm nervous about something or worrying about it, I go straight to that uh it's more like solution focused theory based but uh worst case scenario yeah all right so I'm worried about this uh my big one was like you know a test uh what if I don't pass this test I'm gonna fail this test blah, blah, blah. and then I think about like all right worst case scenario I failed the test what then like oh, okay and then I find solutions to it like all right I failed the test well that means I gotta retake it Mm-hmm. Like, all right, then you then you retake the test. Well, then I have to study more. Like, oh, then you then you study more, and then kind of be like, oh wait, like worst case scenario was I failed the test, and be like, oh well, then then I just have to retake it in the future. Like, yeah, not it's not the end of the world. And then the other part was like, oh, I have to tell people. I'm like, okay, well, who do you have to tell? Mm. And the people I have to tell are the people in my support system who I've already told I'm taking this test. Right. Um, and then I think about like. All right, so what about my mom? If I tell my mom I failed this test, she's going to be like, oh, I'm sorry. You'll do great next time. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. And then I'll tell my friend, like, oh, oh I didn't, you know, it took it, didn't pass. Like, oh, yeah, these are all my support system. They're going to be supportive even when I tell them I fail. Like, yeah. that, It's probably a little embarrassing to have to tell them I didn't do well, but... Which That's is, it. So there's a second part to that, which which maybe yeah. you didn't even realize, which is you created a support system. You identified who are the important people to notify. So yes. while the solution-focused um, concept is really important, and we talk about that a lot when we're dealing with anxiety or depression, it is critical before you do anything to define who is supportive and who is non-supportive in your environment. Because while you might have to live with someone, like let's say you live with a parent who might not be very supportive of you or isn't very kind at all times, they might not be part of your support system. They're just part of your environment. Yeah. So, so def- I, yeah, <laughs> that's a hard question too, because there's layers sure. to that one. There for sure are layers to it. And like I said, there's a lot of enigmas uh, or like outliers. Some people have very supportive parents and thank the Lord for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people don't have parents. Um, Some people are in the foster system. And some people just like have parents that aren't understanding their life choices uh, or their decisions or their hopes and and dreams in life. So um, definitely identifying, all right, who, who can I talk to? Uh, who will not blame me, uh, and and 
who at the end of the day is just going to have my back, whether they agree with me or not. Right. Um, and that's a big test of like, all right, so they're my support system. Are they only my support system when we're in agreement mm. um, or when we're, we're not on the same page? Are they still going to be kind and supportive towards me as a person? Um, and that's, that's so important. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I've literally, so it's been a while since I've gone back and redone some of the support system stuff and like looked at some of our old, our old textbooks. And that is critical defining which support group they fall under because, mm-hmm. you know, there's the people pleaser side, which is like, oh yeah, they're my support group. And then you're like with the caveat, if they agree with me, mm-hmm. you know, because <laughs> having a support group, if you're defining a true support group, they will support your happiness, not what they think is best for you. Mm-hmm. That's that's the difference. Yes. And that can and be really difficult. And it's really disappointing when you find out, like, hey, I thought these were legit people in my life, and it turns out, like, not all the time. Yeah. That's super disheartening, super disappointing, but also a life lesson. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And by the way, if you hear weird noises in the background, um, I apologize. My dog's taking a nap and she's snoring. So just that's if you hear some weird noises. Um, yeah, she's a hundred she's a hundred pound shepherd, so you know she's got some some gusto behind her her snore. So excuse her. Um, okay, so question number three: How is going to a therapist different than just talking to someone you trust in your support group? Ooh, uh, they're like. The key difference, I think, is always they have the knowledge, they have the schooling and the experience to be helpful, to reflect, um, to kind of help you through these things. They have, obviously, the schooling part. To, to be a therapist in any state, you have to have a master's degree in some sort of clinical psychology. You have to have a certain amount of, of experience. Um, and these aren't just like, oh, I've been doing it for this amount of time. It's literally you have to log in like I did this many hours this week, this many hours this week. And like it has to be approved and signed off on like oh that gosh. legit experience. That whole tedious thing where we had, to, oh, my gosh, every day you were just like recording your hours. So you didn't forget in case there was an extra hour. Or so, oh, my gosh, I remember yeah. the whole process. <laughs> and then there's usually again, there's the, the schooling experience and then a test. Uh, by the the state licensing board so they've hopefully are either in the process of doing that you can see an associate who's in the process of gaining their their experience um, or a licensed person who's done the experience and passed their test um, so all all have had the schooling which is which is obviously super helpful the other part that I I think is important to distinguish is they're kind of uh, neutral in, in terms of your friendships. So whenever you have a support system and you talk to, you know, my best friend Jane, you got to remember Jane is also friends with Carol, who's also friends with Juan, who also knows my grandma and my uncle or my cousin, my brother. You know, they they aren't impartial. They know other people. And because you're in the support, your support system, they tend to actually have relationships with other people in your support systems. So you can't really go and talk as freely. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's not that confidentiality piece, which I think is also super important. Right. Uh, so that's a little more freeing where you're like, all right, I know for sure the confidentiality piece also, like, I can tell them whatever my opinion is, whatever I want to say, and I know they legally cannot go around 
physically and hopefully morally. Yeah, yeah, hopefully morally. I always tell them, like, I'm not going to, but also even if I wanted to, I legally cannot, without your permission, say anything unless it it would be a safety concern. Right. Um, But if I'm just bad-mouthing somebody because I'm mad at them, they're not going to go and tell anybody. Um, It stays in the office. Yeah. I always have Um, the rule, like, as long as it doesn't threaten your life, it stays in the room and it does not leave this room. My husband doesn't know. My significant other doesn't know. My mother doesn't know. Like, (laughs) nobody outside of this room knows. That's such a key part of being, going to a therapist. And I think, I don't think many people actually understand how important that is. Yes. It's because there's no threat. And it I should clarify, there should be no threat of you not being able to freely and openly express yourself while they just simply support and help you process what you're going through. A really good therapist never gives advice. Don't go wrong. We might give you options that might be good options. But who was we had a teacher who said that to us, who was like, the worst thing you can ever do is give advice. And I was like, ooh, what do you mean? (laughs) I think so. I think so. It was somebody. I don't know. It was like one of our teachers in our first year. And it was the introductory course of like, welcome to being a therapist. Don't ever give advice. (laughs) Yeah, and that was like... I'm here to suggest like maybe this would work differently if if you tried something different. Right. <laughs> um, we are that's, essentially that's... a sounding board with with educational knowledge. Like that's a that's really what we are. <laughs> but we're and, educated. <laughs> and I, I think also what makes a strong therapist is they will call you on. Uh, I was gonna say, can we cuss on your show? I don't know. Sure, go can... for it. I don't care. <laughs> mistreated but you keep putting yourself in positions to be mistreated yeah and so it's like and and I feel like we do that quite a bit I feel like that's a huge thing that we do um I mean like I don't practice therapy anymore I do consulting and and coaching and and clients know this but like that's a huge thing 99% of the stuff that we go back to clients with is like is is basically being a mirror of their behavior and Mm -hmm. so like yeah (laughs) reflect psychology words <laughs> oh man but yeah we do we do a lot of mirroring and we do a lot of reflecting because honestly in the in our own brains sometimes we shut off our own negative behavior because we don't want to be observant of it like we don't want to think we're making mistakes because that's like a survival technique like oh no I'm perfect I'm wonderful I do things perfectly and then when you get called out on stuff I think it hurts a lot, but also one of the major points of growth is when you're able to look at that and you're saying, yeah, you know what, I'm not doing that. And I keep participating in this behavior that's harmful. And that's when things start to shift in your life. Just a thought. It's, <laughs> it's very it's hard. hard. It's, growth is uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. it's growth. Yeah. <laughs> it's good for you. Yeah, it's good for you. I keep looking... There we had either I learned this or I read this somewhere, which is like, of course, growth is uncomfortable. Have you ever seen a perfectly clean tree without any breaks in the bark? 
Like, you know, and so there was like the representation that growth can be painful. Sometimes you have to crack at the seams a little bit to grow into who you're supposed to be. And, um, oh my gosh, I haven't heard, God, talking to you brings up all the good stuff about what we learned. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes. Okay. We're going to, we're going to, we oh, crud, we only got six minutes left. So we got to get through some more questions. Yes. Um, okay. So question number four, what are some misconceptions about therapy that you want people to know? love this question. I also love that it's shifted so much. Uh, I think it's these kind of new generations, millennials, Gen Z, all the TikTokers I love have, have kind of shined or like placed a light onto mental health and kind of started the destigmatization. It's mm. no longer as stigmatized, which is amazing. Um, I love that. So I think the misconceptions of like, oh, it's it's scary. It's for crazy people. Um, it's just a sham. The whole shrink thing. I think a lot of that has already dwindled because um, people have just been so great lately um, in in destigmatizing it and, and normalizing mental health a lot more. Um, I think some of the continued things that I I would want to. Uh, address are more so have to do with like the therapeutic relationship Mm -hmm. so I know we we touched on it a little bit about like you you need to have a therapist that you connect well with and not every therapist is a good fit for each client or each person Um, because a lot of the work so again it's a soft science it's not a hard science Um, and so the treatment for it actually uses the therapeutic relationship a lot mm-hmm. um it's you know when you go to a doctor for uh, typical things uh like physical health um what they give you the medication the procedures are all just kind of standardized and it doesn't necessarily matter what doctor you're getting it from because the medication is going to work whether it was given to you by dr flores or Dr. Walker, you know, it's, it's going to be the same medication Right. with therapy. It's going to be different whether you're getting it from Dr. Flores or Dr. Walker, because you'll have a different relationship with them. So what I think, uh, one of the things I, I want to remind people is you, you don't have to stick with the first therapist you find. If you, if you find a therapist and they're working for you, that's great. If you go to a therapist and you're like, I don't know, I don't really feel as comfortable with them, something about it, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't like it, or it's, it's kind of weird, or like, they're not really my person. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's fine. And you can definitely tell your therapist like, hey, I, I, <laughs> I'm not feeling it. Uh, I'm gonna look around. And you can also ask for referrals. Um, it, it is one of those, it, kind of like you're rejecting your therapist or breaking up with them and that can be awkward um but I I always am like all right if if this person's not working out for you if I'm not working out for you let's have a conversation about it like that's fine uh I'm you know it's it's just what it is and I think that's important because the therapeutic relationship is part of the treatment right um and it's a huge part of the treatment so I, I like to remind people like if, if working with me isn't working for you, then go to somebody who's, who is actually going to be helpful to you and where you can actually grow and develop as a person, which is what you want. Yes, um, absolutely. So, yeah. 
that's that's my big one lately because you know tiktokers have made it so much easier to address the stigma and i love it (laughs) it is it's great that's it's really important that you mention that because there is like just like there's hundreds different hundreds of different types of personalities there are hundreds of different therapists out there right Mm -hmm. like I kind of specialize in high stress business and uh, business individuals and athlete individuals. I deal with them very well, but you know, I might not be the best person for, for like a 13 year old or a middle schooler. Maybe I just don't have the patience for them. Right. And also just because I work really well with one business individual doesn't mean I work really well with another one. So don't be afraid to break up with your therapist if it's not working. Okay, because there are hundreds of thousands of them out there and they are more than willing to help you. And a good therapist is always trained to not take that as a personal attack. Yes, that's that's like we will be okay. We understand. (laughs) I know that it's awkward to bring up, um, but it's it's cool. (laughs) I get it. We get it. We understand because we've been through it, too, and we understand. Yeah, I've broken up with therapists, so we're good. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. And also breaking up with therapists can be very therapeutic because it's you taking your power back, saying, yes. you know, I'm not okay with this relationship. I'm going to go. And that's actually a really powerful thing. And, and and a good therapist will support you and say, wow, that's really, really good of you to notice that. Yeah, let's find you someone else. So, yes. yeah. Okay, Um. last question to you. Most difficult part, in your opinion, about therapy? painful than when it initially happened 
Um, but you got to power through and know, okay, I'm cleaning it. This is for my own good. So it, then I can, you know, put back bandages, air it out. And now it's clean. And now I don't have an infection. But the process was so painful. Yeah. Um, so I honestly think that that's harder. And I think that's why it's it's so brave. A lot of people, I know the stigmatization of like, it's for crazy people. I think it's for brave people who oh, yeah. are acknowledging like, all right, this is painful. I, I'm willing to put the work in to get better. I'm willing to discuss these things that are really uncomfortable that are really painful that I don't always like about myself mm-hmm. um so that that's obviously difficult because the pain resurfaces things can get worse before they can get better mm-hmm. um things can get worse before they get better they don't always do but it's definitely a risk um and then the end usually once you have this therapeutic relationship you have this person that you go to you know once a week every other week or every month um and then they've helped you through this uh, and then you're like, all right, I'm good. Like, all right, go. bye, I guess. <laughs> That's always um, difficult to, because to, you, you end up caring for these people as a clinician and as a patient. Um, you, you end up really honoring and respecting this bond. Yeah. Um, and so then when, when you're good and you're good to go, which is a great thing, because that's what you came here for. This was your goal. And then be like, all right. Bye. That's pardon right, in its own way, you know. So the um, so it's the the leaving of the trauma and then the leaving to move on with life. You would say yeah. are the two hardest things. I think so. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there's more to it. Oh um, yeah, there's like and and like <laughs> like like psychology in general. There's so many other branches and wings to all of the things that we learn. Um. <laughs> And I forgot to mention this earlier, but if you don't know what a soft science is, it literally just means that we haven't figured everything out about it yet. That's we're still that's basically the bottom line of what a soft science is. It's just we don't know everything yet. And um, a hard science is kind of more of like these are the numbers and it's proven and this is what it does and this is how we follow it. But like you could you could call a lot of things soft science and and but psychology is considered a soft science. which is the very special part about it. I like that part as well. Okay. So we only have literally a minute and a half left and you get to ask me one question. Do you have a question in mind? Um, so I'm curious to, to know a little bit more about kind of what brought you, I know you back to athletic coaching, um, and what it's been like to introduce mental health to it. Ooh, you know what? It's hard. (laughs) I forgot how much um, stigma there is in the athletic world around mental health. So a lot of the marketing I have to do, I don't call it mental health. I call it executive functioning or I call it um, stress balance or I call it or like organizational help and stuff like that. But I think it's funny because with the TikTokers and and TikTok and, and, and a lot of the like new age social media that's coming out, it is easier to talk about these things and people then can just see it they don't have to react to it they can just see it Mm -hmm. oh I'm gonna just follow her and see what else she says I don't have to agree with her I just have to follow her and um so that's something I've 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 loved which is um I didn't think I was so one so a little bit of my background which is when I left California I essentially gave up which was really, really hard. I had just graduated 
Um, I was working in private practice in California and I loved it. I loved my clients. I loved what I was doing. I was on my pathway to full licensure and I was close and um, we decided to move to Ohio. And I essentially, in doing that, I gave up my California license to be a therapist. And that really, really hurt. That was really difficult. But it ended up working out really well because, and I truly believe that you're guided in all things in life. And the most painful guy, when when the most pain shows up, the biggest and best things are about to happen. And so when I moved, um, I somehow, I don't know how the heck this happened, but I ended up coaching a swim team. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, I told you about that. And I was like, I, literally to this day, I was like, how the heck did that happen? I don't remember signing up for that. <laughs> I just like happened to be there on day one. And they're like, you're coaching today. And I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> all right, grab a whistle. <laughs> grab a whistle. Let's do some laps. Um, and so, it's so funny because I didn't swim in high school. I was like, I just like to swim. I didn't swim like competitively at all. Um, and so, but the biggest, my biggest thing that I helped the kids with was actually, um, kind of like helping with the mental health side and like, like a kid would come to me and just like have an absolute anxiety attack in the middle of a competition. And I was able to give them the coping skills. Um, so I stepped away from being the therapist. Like I was absolutely not doing therapy. I was like that. I cannot do that. That's what I legally cannot do, but I was able to supply education which helped these kids. And so because yeah, I still had the skills, I still had the knowledge. I was like, well, I'm going to use it like here. Mm-hmm. This is what I do when I have an anxiety attack. If you want to try it. And then I loved it because then also like I did a lot of um, career counseling and career coaching with the kids as well. They're like, well, I'm 18. And, and the school, the school that I went to go coach at was a very high competitive edge school. Um, mm. So it was basically like, if you're not getting A's, you suck. like it was very competitive flat out very competitive and I mean you even had to compete to get into the school so there was already a tone when you walked in and and this was a high school this is a high school it's a college preparatory high school yeah so they're prepping them to be oh yeah there was like olympians and there was emmy award winners that came from this school so it was very yeah very much so And so that's how that kind of started. And I just loved it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm really helping these kids. This is wonderful. You know, I'm, but I'm also doing it like, also keep in mind that when you're a therapist, you have to do things very carefully. So like when I was working with the kids, I didn't say, I was like, listen, I can't help you heal your mental health. And if it ever got to a point where I was like, hey, this is getting into that like therapy range where like this is needs some higher consulting and you need some better boundaries around this, I would mm-hmm. refer them out. So it was a little bit of social work-esque. Like I would refer them, hey, like maybe go talk to an anxiety person or go talk to a depression person or maybe you need to find a psychiatrist. So there's a lot more resource building that I did, which I really like. So it's almost like now what I do and how I'm kind of like sitting where I am right now is the bridge between stressed out and I don't know where to go. And like, I'm just like the pointing street signs like, oh, let's go this way. Like, let's go this way. Yes, and then like, resource. yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of sitting as the bridge work between finding for, for deep, deep mental health needs like I send people out but if someone's like I just don't know how to be organized can be like oh well let's try this resource this resource this resource let's try this coping method and come back in a week and tell me how it went 
then mm-hmm. they go do that and they're like, oh my gosh, my grades are better. And I'm like, that's great. And they're like, but I'm also really realizing that I'm having some depression. And I'm like, great, let's go find a therapist for that. <laughs> like, you know, so it's, it's good. And it's, it's figuring itself out. So I do like being, I like being where I am because I like being able to send people to where they can find the best resource. And I think that was something I couldn't do as a therapist as well just because for my own personal issue, like I just couldn't see that being who I needed to be. But now I get to be like a resource finder for people, which is, which is good. So that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm so glad you found this. Yeah. So good. It's, it's good. It's funny when I moved here, I thought it was over. I was like, I'm never going back into this. Like, I don't think I'm going to do this. And it's found itself back into my life, which is really nice. So yeah. Can't escape it. Can't escape it. The universe is like, guess what? This is part of your soul now. You're stuck. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, when you said, I remember you telling me, like, I'm going back. And, like, you had thought about pursuing it in Ohio, and then you decided not to. Mm-hmm. I remember being like, there's no way Hannah's not doing this. Like, <laughs> it's, she's going to do it in some way. Like, I don't believe she can just let it go and, like, not help for people or not identify, like, oh, this person's struggling. I need to help them. Yeah. Um. I think, and so I'm yeah. not surprised, but I'm so glad you're back. <laughs> <laughs> that just shows you what good support system us therapists have. Even if we leave the field, everyone's like, ooh, but you'll be back in some way. <laughs> yep. Uh, okay, so thank you, Talia, for joining us today. Um, I'm, I'm like, jumping at the bit to post this. So you guys, I look forward to you guys hearing this. And if you guys have questions or comments, please feel free to email us or comment below um, any questions that you have. I'm sure if you guys have questions or want to hear more from Talia, she will absolutely be back. I can already see her, like, smile. She's like, heck yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm here for whatever you need. Wonderful. I- <laughs> Um, Tilly is a really good resource. I mean, like, if you guys are on California, you guys need a therapist in, <laughs> in Southern California. She's out there. She's great. Um, yeah. and yeah. And Tilly, any final words before we sign off? No, I love it. Do some self-care, live your best life and find your support system. Find your support system. <laughs> Thanks, Tilly. Thank you guys. Bye.